You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. It's Hebrews uh, chapter 11. Chapter 11, if you want to go to the verse that we're going to start at, it is verse 23. Did you know, my friends, that Hebrews chapter 11 is the Hall of Faith? Did you know that? I mean, that's just kind of its nickname. It lists all these people and says what was so cool about each person and how much faith they had in God. And it's, uh, I've been to the Baseball Hall of Fame. That's pretty cool for like half a day. And you're like, eh, I'm bored. Uh, this Hall of Faith, it's pretty sweet. It's like biblical characters. You could read it again and again and just grow in faith from reading about the faith of these cool people. Here's the one about Moses. So it's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. This is what the Hall of Faith has to say about Moses. And by the way, it's just kind of nicknamed the Hall of Faith. I don't think it actually says that anywhere. It'd be cool if it did. Anyways, Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. We're going to look at that story today. It's the burning bush. God, who is the one who is invisible. Verse 28, by faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But then when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. So this story of Moses, Moses falls into the hall of faith because he's a really cool dude. And so we're going to look at Moses today. Would you pray with me? God, we come to you, Father, as the Mill Sunday School. We look to you, Jesus, and say, God, open up our hearts Open up our minds this morning so that you can teach us, Jesus. Teach us from the Bible. Teach us from Moses' life, his good things that he did in you, and some of the failures that Moses had. God, may we learn from some of the failures Moses had that we can learn how to have more faith in you, how to trust in you, and how to thank you for the things that you've been faithful to us in our life. So we do praise you and we worship you, Jesus. And everybody screamed? That was pretty good. Um... I got a sweet camera a couple years ago. It's the Canon 30D SLR, like, sweet camera. It was, like, right before I got engaged. So it was, like, the last big purchase before I bought the ring. I was like, I need to buy this because I know once I get engaged and once I get married, my my wife, Erica, is not going to let me buy, like, big, cool cameras. She's going to be like, why don't you just get the cheaper one? I'm like, no, i got to have the best. And so I had this really sweet camera. I still have it, by the way. And two years ago, I was in Garden of the Gods walking around, taking sweet pictures, um, almost as if, like, no one had ever taken a picture of Garden of the Gods before. And I was like, oh, wow, look at this sweet shot. Those two rocks look like they're kissing camels. Wow, I bet no one's ever seen this. Look at that shot. I'm such a photographer. I'm a genius. And uh, I was walking around taking photos, and it was like, it was like two summers ago. And uh, there was a family there. I think they were, I can never tell if they're British accent or Australian. I can never tell. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a really big difference. I, I could personally never tell. There is. There is, obviously. Sorry. Just kidding. Just kidding. And so this little family was there, uh, the, the dad, the mom, some kids, and the smallest kid was like climbing on the rocks, starting to get higher and higher. And he was probably maybe like at the height of the ceiling there. 
a good maybe like 10 feet high, a couple feet above the dad's arms and reach. And uh, the kid was climbing around, and the dad was like, be careful. I think his name is Roger. Be careful, Roger. <laughs> and the kid's like, okay, daddy. <laughs> and, the, and the mom was like, careful, Roger. Okay, mommy. <laughs> and, and he's climbing around, and dad's just kind of like this. And he's beginning to get higher and higher. And, and so daddy is like, get down, Roger. It's time to come down. And, uh, and so the Roger just turns, does an about face on the rock, and jumps like full out flying squirrel <laughs> into daddy's arms and there's a gasp from me a gasp from mom <gasps> oh my gosh he's just jumping and so dad dad just catches little roger and he's fine he sets roger down roger why in the world would you do that why you didn't even tell me you were jumping how'd you know i would catch you why'd you do that and roger's response because you're my daddy that's it because you're my daddy. The trust that little Roger had for his dad is, is how, in many ways, Moses treats his God, the God of our God, the God of the creation, the God of the Bible. Moses looks to God and trusts in him. But there's several times in Moses' life where he doesn't trust God. And so what we're going to do today is we look in uh, the book of Exodus. And so you could just turn there now, back to the Old Testament. Um, we're going to look specifically starting in Exodus 2 about the stories of Moses, some cool things that Moses did, and some of the failures that Moses had. Um, but before we dive into a study, just a few announcements, just one, I think, actually. It, if, if you're brand new to the mill or to the mill Sunday school, the, if you don't know about the mill, the mill meets on Friday nights. It's our main big service for uh, for college and 20-somethings. And uh, if you've been to the mill on Friday night, it's pretty much the sweetest thing you could do on a Friday night in Colorado Springs. Um, not that there's a lot of other things to do. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, the mill is great. If you haven't been in the mill, go to the mill. If you, if you didn't fill out a first-timer card for us or for the mill, on each of the tables, there's a first-timer card. If you're newish, fill that out. Give it to the welcome table there, and they will give you a CD just as a way of saying thanks for coming. So it's got some songs on it and, and uh, like a little worship or welcome seat sermon. Blah, blah. Cam's hardly having a hard time talking. Everybody say, you're doing all right. <laughs> all right, look at Exodus chapter 2. We are going to dive into the story of uh, how Moses was born and uh the story moses is such a fascinating character in the bible he's really like i mean out of all the characters of the bible he's really like the old testament character in so many ways i mean the books exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy all are stories about moses would you just take a second and think through like moses like, well, yeah, Moses did that. Oh, yeah, that was Moses. Oh, yeah, Moses did that too. Would you talk to your little buddies and try to get just a really quick list of what Moses is known for, the Bible study surrounding Moses, like the Red Sea, like Mount Sinai, and then, and then keep going from there. Ready, get set, go. All right. Are you good? That was really just a trick because I had to fix my mic. It was pinching my ear. Um, <laughs> but did anybody say the story of Moses and the Nile? 
Did you, did you say that one, any of the groups? That's a good story. You know, Moses, I mean, Moses is really the Old Testament character because he took, uh, he led two million people. Some of the estimates, there's one part where it lists 600,000 men on standing foot and says, so if there's 600,000 men, then there has to be also women and children, et cetera, et cetera. People, a lot of people estimate that there was two million people that Moses led from Egypt into the wilderness. That's like Metro Denver, like all people living in like downtown Denver, two million people, like going to Wyoming and like to Kansas. I mean, can you imagine the leadership, the politics, the justice? Um, how are these people going to eat? How are they going to drink stuff? How are they going to be led? Two million people all around. I mean, it's an amazing, fascinating story. And Moses is the leader. Let's look at how he's born. So this is where I want you to turn to Exodus 2. Uh, let's see. Let's start right in verse 1. Here's the story. We're going to read quite a bit of the Bible today. Is that okay? Yes. I like the Bible too. Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. It says, now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman. That's one of the tribes of Israel. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. That's going to be Moses. When she saw that he was a fine child, she's like, man, that's a fine kid. She hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket uh, for him and coated it with pitch and tar. She placed the child in it along the reeds along the bank of the Nile, and his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen. Now, if you read chapter 1, you would know the context for that story. She, the mother had to hide the baby because Pharaoh said, let's kill all the firstborn, let's kill all the males of the Hebrews because they're kind of overpopulating the area, and we're afraid that they're going to like rise up and take, take like, mess us up. <laughs> um, so, so Moses is born, little baby Moses is born, and mommy hides him, and then she, when she could hide him no longer, she makes a little basket, coats it with pitch and tar, and then, like, I always get this image, don't you have the image, too, of, of mama Moses putting baby Moses into the river and then, like, just floating down? Don't you have that image in your head? Be honest. It's not true. It's just like a fallacy that you just made up somewhere. It's in this movie, by the way. The beginning of this movie, The Prince of Egypt, has little baby Moses, like, floating along. Not true. Not true. Here's the story. She places him. She places him in a, a basket. A lot in the. <clears throat> excuse me. He places him among the reeds on the bank of the Nile. And then her sister Moses' sister Miriam is standing right there. And then it says this, verse five. Pharaoh's daughter went down to the to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent the, her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for one for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. And then Moses' sister, kind of like planted, like right there. She's like, uh, then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And then the girl went and got the baby's mother. Isn't that a sweet story? So like the baby's mother, Moses' mommy, places him in the basket in the reeds, and then Pharaoh comes down to Pharaoh's daughter, comes down to base, sees the baby, and then like sisters like right there, like popping out, hey, do you want me to go get somebody to take care of this baby? She's like, yeah, go. And then listen to this. It says, Pharaoh's daughter, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. 
Yes, cha-ching. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So here's this image. Here's this image of Moses' childhood. I mean, talk about the perfect setup for someone to end up trusting in God. And some of you have stories about how God has saved you from things or how you had maybe a weird childhood and God saved you from that. And it's all the more reason to trust in God. So here's a time period when all male babies are to be killed. Moses' mommy places Moses in the basket in, alongside the Nile um, and knowing that this baby could die here or um, the baby could be killed if they find out that's a Hebrew woman's baby and uh, that the baby isn't whatever. And so Moses, Pharaoh finds, Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses, says, we need a Hebrew woman to nurse this baby. Moses' own mother gets to nurse the baby and gets paid for it. Sweet deal. Do you see that? It's, I mean, it's just an amazing thing. And then she names him Moshe. In the, in the Hebrew, Moses is pronounced Moshe. What's that mean? It means to draw out or I drew out of the water. To to drew out is basically what it means. And so Moses' whole life growing up, I wonder how many times he heard the story about here's how you were born. Here's how much faith you need to have in God because at the time when Pharaoh was killing babies, you were spared and you were saved. And he'd be like, yeah, my name is Drew Out. What's your name? So-and-so. Hey, you want to go to the mall later, Drew Out? He's like, yeah, let's let's go to the mall later. Um, And then he said, Drew Out, how did you get your name Drew Out? like drew out of the water. And he says, well, there's an amazing story behind it. And he, maybe he gets to tell the story about how he was born at a time when Pharaoh was killing babies and how, I mean, his whole life, his beginning of Moses' life was about trusting in God. What a great setup. So on your notes, if you're taking notes in, the, in, the, in our, we call it the skillet, the Sunday school millet, um, next to Moses' birth, our, what's it say there? Moses as a child put the perfect setup for a child to trust God. It's the story of how Moses was brought up from the Nile. So it's the perfect setup of how a child can begin to trust in God. And so some of us have incredible stories about how how much God has done for us, whether it's by salvation, God saved us from mistakes or sin or former life. And God has the redeeming power of taping, taking people from darkness, taking people from a place of failure and bringing them into light and into glory. And so let's look at some more stories of Moses. I want to say that Moses was a man of his own strength. And that can kind of be good and that can kind of be bad because it seems as though some of the faults that we're going to get into of Moses is that he had a hard time trusting in God. And so here's one of Moses' first faults. It's right after this story. It starts in verse uh, 11. It's just two verses I'm going to read. So Exodus 2, verses 11 and 12. It's, it's where Moses really makes a poor decision, and uh, he sins. So you, you ready? Exodus 2, verse 11. It says that one day, after Moses had grown up, he went to where his own people were and watched them hard at labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own, Glancing this way and that way and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian. Everybody say murder. He killed the Egyptian and then he hid him in the sand. You see, murder is, is obviously a sin. And uh, what it is, is it's taking, I mean, it's 
who, human life is in the control of God. God gives life. God takes it away. And so Moses, here as he glances from here to there, seeing no one, he kills this Egyptian that was beating this Hebrew person and kind of takes things into his own hands. And, and obviously doesn't trust the will of God because he takes it into his own, own hands and kills this person. And lots of Christians, including myself, are very pro-life when it comes to, to the pol- political world because we believe that this, this child, this baby, is a human life. And the human life is not ours to give or to take away. It's God's to give or to take away. And so if you're sitting there thinking, man, that's, that's a sin. That's a sin to murder. Moses, the same man that's going to be like the Old Testament character, commits murder. And I think, one, I think that we're going to see that, that Moses had a fault of, of wanting to trust in his own self and not trust in God. And here, obviously, he's trusting in his own will, his own strength to kill this man, thinking, I have a better plan than God. I'm going to kill this Egyptian, either out of rage or out of whatever, just wanting to overrule this Egyptian. We don't know the full story. There's just two verses here. But I see Moses in his own strength killing someone, not trusting God. Here's another little story. It's uh, just, just go down to verse 16, same chapter, verse 2. Uh, chapter 2, verse 16, says this. Uh, it's basically when Moses, so Moses kills somebody. Pharaoh finds out about it. Moses flees into the desert. And it says this in verse 16. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill their troughs to, to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away. But Moses got up and came to their rescue. Everybody say, go Moses. <laughs> so you see that, so seven girls, maybe they're like hot chicks. We don't know. It doesn't say. Um, they're watering their father's flock. Moses, or some shepherds come along, and one, uh, one translation says they mistreated the, the daughters. Uh, the, I, I just imagine them like kicking the sheep and like messing around and joking around, maybe throwing a sheep in the well. Who knows? Just the kind of stuff shepherds do to mess with people. Um, and so shepherds doing that. Moses gets up. He stops that. And, and then he not only stops that evil from happening, but he waters the flock of the girls. And then it says this in verse 18, that the girls returned to Raul, their father. He asked them, why did you return so early today? And they answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He drew us water and watered the flock. Where is he? He asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Verse 21 said, Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Pretty good story, huh, for Moses. You know what the name Zipporah means? Maybe some of you have a study Bible that says down there, don't yell it out just yet. I got to, um, I'll tell you what Zipporah means in a second. Um, I got to teach the middle school boys this week. They're doing, uh, at the church here at New Life, they have JV tag is what they call it. And in JV tag, they do man time throughout the summer. And it's Mondays and Thursdays, the sixth, seventh, eighth graders get to come to uh, the church, and Jared Newman, the the junior high pastor, used to be an athlete, or uh, I guess still is an athlete, but he used to play um, college baseball, so he's an athlete. He knows how to work out, and so he works out these little kids, these little boys, and uh, I mean, you look at some of them, you're like, you're a little boy, and then you look at another one, you're like, you're almost an adolescent, you're becoming a man. So it's a really cool, it's a really cool program to bring these boys here during the summer when they're bored and playing like 18 hours of video games a day, uh, to bring them here, work them out, um, do some team building exercises, and they get a devotion 
like a, just a time of, you know, here's, here's what we're going to learn about today. And uh, I got to teach them last Thursday. And I, I shared with them this story. And I said, Moses is a great man. He's probably a strong-willed man. And he sees something going on. He sees some bad happening. And Moses gets up and he stands in the way of evil happening. And he does good. So I encourage these little boys to, uh, and I guess young men, I should call them young men. I encourage these young men to uh, stand in the way of evil and to do what is right, and to trust in God. And I said, if you do that, you get Zipporah. Her name means little chick. <laughs> so I obviously was joking with these boys, and I said, do you want to get the chicks? You've got to do what's good, and you've got to stand in the way of evil. <laughs> so there's probably a lot of little messed up kids running around. Um, <laughs> but that's... Uh, so do you see Moses, I, I see Moses at least as a very strong-willed individual, murdering an Egyptian, and then later on in his life, I mean, it doesn't say how many shepherds there were, but he stands in the way of these shepherds mistreating these women. He stands up, and here's a good example of Moses being strong-willed. The murder is obviously a bad example of Moses being strong-willed. But it seems as though Moses, because of his strong-willedness and wanting to do things on his own strength, has trouble trusting in the Lord. So we're going to look at the story of the burning bush. Would you turn over to page, uh, not page, I guess, chapter 3 and 4. Did you know that two whole chapters are devoted to the famous story of Moses and the burning bush? The story is that he's in Midian, this area where he got his wife because he's still running from Pharaoh because of the murder. And he sees a bush. It says that there's a bush on fire, but it doesn't burn up. So he obviously goes to check it out. And God begins to speak to him out of that bush. You know the story already, right? You've heard it before. It's a good story. And so what I want to show you is five times Moses kind of talks back to God. And I'm going to show you each one of those five times. Um, so the bush, burning bush, God speaks to Moses out of that burning bush. Basically, the conversation is, I choose you. I will be with you as you lead all two million people from Egypt into the wilderness to the land that I have promised to them. That's a really big deal, don't you think? I mean, talk about God using a, a man, using a human being to take care of business. I mean, it's a big deal. Verse 11, though, says this. So Exodus 3, verse 11. Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out? He's making excuses. He's saying, Who am I that I should go? And then verse 12 says, God said, I will be with you. Does everybody see that in verse 12? I will be with you. So God is saying, it doesn't matter who you are. I will use you because I will be with you. And then it seems like Moses is kind of making some more excuses. At least it seems that way to me. In verse 13, and Moses is kind of afraid. He says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell him? seems like he's kind of trying to back himself out or just asking God his name. I'm not really sure. And then God gives his name to Moses. It's the verb to be, like I am, I was, I will be. It's the verb to be in Hebrew, Yahweh. And Moses, and God says to Moses, this, God said to Moses, Yahweh, this is what you are to say to the Israelites, Yahweh has sent me to you. Basically, the translation is, I am, I am that I am has sent you to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And then it seems like Moses, even after hearing God's name, talking to him out of the burning bush, look at Exodus 4, verse 1. Exodus 4, verse 1. 
says, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? So here's Moses, again, questioning, kind of talking back to God. And then Moses, God gives Moses the, the staff trick. He throws the staff, becomes a, a snake. God says, put your hand in your coat. So he does it. He pulls it out. It's like white and leprous. Moses is like, whoa, my hand's white and leprous. God says, put it back in. So he puts it back in, pulls it out, and then it becomes normal again. God gives Moses some miracles. And then, chapter 4 still, verse 10, Moses says to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past uh, since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Basically, I can't speak very well. I'm scared. I don't want to do this. And God says, God, God seems like he's getting a little ticked here. Verse 11 says, The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? It is it not I, the Lord. Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. And then Moses, after all that, Moses says this, O Lord, please send someone else to do it. Moses is thinking, oh, I have to do this whole thing. I have to speak to the people. I have to lead them. And he forgot one of the first things that God said to him, that I will be with you. And then it says this, in verse 14, it says, the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And so the question I have for you is, is why did God get so mad at Moses? I remember the first time reading through the story thinking, well, Moses was just a little scared, or Moses, um, maybe he was confused. He didn't know that God was speaking to him out of this bush, or he didn't know God yet. Um, why would God's anger burn against Moses just for him kind of talking back? And so I want you to think of that question, and we are going to watch uh, the clip of the movie that's actually really good in The Prince of the Egypt. Do you like video clips? Yes, me too. This one, I mean, out of all the cartoons of the Bible stories, uh, this this scene of the burning bush has potential to be like really cheesy, and uh, <laughs> it's not. It's really good. And so um, take a look at it. It is the scene, and so be thinking in your head, because we're going to discuss it in a second. Why would God get so mad at Moses during this conversation? Ready, get set, go. Here I am. Take the sandals from your feet. 
for the place on which you stand is holy ground. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. of Egypt, the son of the man who slaughtered their children. You've, you've chosen the wrong messenger. How, how can I even speak to these people? Who made that mouth? Who made the deaf, the mute, the seeing, or the blind? Did not I? Now go! things. Um, <clears throat> would anyone be bold enough to stand up and say, here's why I think God would have been so mad at Moses through that conversation. Anyone? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, fear and doubt. Yeah, the, yeah, because of Pharaoh, because God is seeing, I think, I think what we see here is that God is saying, I will be with you. And yet Moses still has all this fear and doubt about his own strength. What else? Anybody else? Yes.
Oh, that's good. God chose him, and he's saying, no, I don't know if I want to do it. Yes, go ahead. Way in the back, Adam. Yeah, he's scared to death. He's scared to death. It says here that he he was scared of talking. Like, I'm not eloquent of speech. I'm not a good speaker. Um, I don't speak good. And, uh, and God says, who made man? Who made his mouth? Is it not I? And I think there's another, it's a, it's a really weird, it's a, not weird, I guess a really cool study that uh, if you look at Acts 7 and uh, Stephen is talking about Moses and Moses training, it says that Moses was trained in the way of the Egyptians and could speak well and uh, was trained and et cetera, et cetera. So he could speak well. I think it was, it was just Moses maybe not being, um, knowing his own, strengths or goodness it's like sometimes you hear about actors like these famous actors that like do all these movie roles and then like maybe they don't get one part so they go into like three months of depression and you hear about them like what were they doing they're so cool they're such an amazing actor why would they be so down and depressed on themselves it's like they don't understand that it's it's you know they're they're okay they're they're good at what they do they just have to trust themselves or to trust god inside of them i think moses was saying God, I, I'm not that good at speaking. Other people are better than me. Let me get out of this thing. Because he's trusting in himself. That's good. You guys had good responses to that. Um, I'm going to show you one more failure of Moses. And for this one, we have to leave the book of Exodus. Um, but it's, it's, it's a powerful story of Moses doing something so bad that he doesn't get to enter into the promised land. Would you turn to Numbers chapter 20? Numbers chapter 20. And we're going to, I think we're going to start right at uh, uh, verse 2. Numbers 20. So it's like Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers chapter 20, right in verse 2. And the story that I'm about to read to you is the story. Uh, so Moses leads all these, we think, maybe 2 million people all throughout the desert. And then, I mean, they're, they're beginning to work their way to the promised land, the land that had been promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, this promised land, land flowing of milk and honey. It's obviously some kind of saying that means the land's really good. And the people are going there. And after this story, Moses doesn't get to go into the promised land. Someone else is going to lead the people into the promised land because Moses really messes up. Here it is. Verse 2 of chapter 20 says that there was no water for the community. And the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died with our brothers that fell before the Lord. Why did you bring us into the Lord's community, into this desert, that we and our livestock should die here? And then it says this, Why did you bring us up from Egypt to this terrible place that has no grains or figs or grapevines or pomegranates and there is no water to drink? Do you remember what they were doing in Egypt? They were being, they were enslaved. They were getting beaten and working, uh, uh, making bricks and just really hard. They were slaves. And here they are asking, why did you take us up out of that? We're going to die. After all these different things, the Lord has shown them and that they should just trust in the Lord. And it says this in verse 6, that Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of the meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, take the staff, you and your brother Aaron, gather the assembly together. Speak to the rock. Everybody say, speak. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour water out. Pour out water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. Verse 9 says, So Moses took the staff 
from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. And he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we... Isn't that weird that, Listen, you rebels, must we bring out water out of this rock? Is Moses going to bring water out of a rock? No, it's the work of God. And, And it says this, Must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice. Everybody say struck. It's not what God said, speak to the rock, right? Here Moses not only struck it, but struck it twice with his staff. And water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. I'm going to read one more verse. And this is the verse that, that it just, it's obviously a very ch- time-changing moment to Moses and his direction of leading people into the promised land. It says this, verse 12, But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy, in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. That's pretty huge, don't you think? I mean, Moses' whole life, he's, he's been heard of the promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of this land, this land flowing with milk and honey. God promises that these people will go there. And Moses is just thinking he's the one that's going to bring them into the promised land, that he himself is going to see this land and because of this incident, because God says, speak to the rock, and he didn't speak to it, he hid it. And then there's this, there, I just, I highlighted it in my Bible that Moses says, listen, you rebels, must we bring the water out of this rock? And it's getting water out of a rock. If you're thirsty and you're like in the desert, do you start squeezing rocks to get water? No, that would be like a really poor decision. <laughs> be poor, it'd be, a, it'd be a waste of time, really. Um, and so water out of rocks is a spiritual thing. It's a miracle thing that God is going to do. So God says, speak to the rock and it will flow out water. And instead, Moses disobeys and he hits the rock. He strikes it, causing, maybe causing attention to himself that I'm doing this great thing. And, and I think that it goes back to the burning bush incident too. All, all Moses, God burned with anger against Moses and all Moses did was kind of talk back. And so you could read that story and say, I don't really get it. All, all God did was kind of talk back. I mean, is that why would the Lord's anger burn against him? This story too, like all he did was strike the rock instead of speak to it. Maybe he forgot. Maybe he wanted to be cool. Maybe he thought the rock should be struck instead of spoken at. Why is it such a big deal that Moses doesn't get to enter the land anymore? And I think it has to do with obedience, trusting in God, that God had given so many reasons for Moses to trust him fully and with obey his exact words, and Moses did not. It's like those who have been given much are required of much. It's like, I thought of this example that maybe someone has been saved, delivered of alcoholism. They were an alcoholic for however long, and they become a Christian. They put alcoholism behind them. Maybe they still go to the Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and help other people get out of alcoholism, and they'll tell you you how long you've been sober. And they might tell you, oh, I've been sober 10 years, 3 months, and 2 days. I mean, I, I know people that literally are like counting days even after years pass. And, and they say, God saved me of this alcoholism. I'm totally different now than I was. And when I was an alcoholic, I was dark. I, life was horrible. And God saved me out of all that. And then here they are. And then maybe they decide, oh, um, I'm, I'm over this. I got this under control. No big deal. I'm just going to have a glass of wine with dinner. And now is a glass of wine with dinner wrong for the normal person? Well, maybe not. You know, it, it may not be the best decision or whatever. Or if you have a tendency to drink too much, it's probably not a very good decision at all. But here's Mo, here's uh, this person drinking a glass of wine with dinner. Now, to much who has been 
given, this person has been given freedom from alcohol, that would be a really poor choice to break their sobriety date and just have a, a glass of alcohol. It's, it's, it's about like how much Moses was given all throughout his life. Think about all the wonders and miracles Moses saw and how much God was with him all along. And God said, gave him some instructions about a speaking to a rock and Moses disobeyed. That, that image was helpful to me and just thinking like all God said was speak to it. Moses hit it. Like, why is that such a big of a deal? It's such a big deal because Moses disobeyed God and God said, speak to it. And Moses decided instead to hit it. I want to close kind of on a higher note because all these failures of Moses, we could learn from them. But I want you to turn to Exodus 33. And if you have a Bible, of course, there's Bibles there. And you could have, if you don't have a Bible, you could take one of the Sunday school Bibles. Um, They're there for you because we want you to have a Bible and to write on it and highlight it and and get the knowledge of the truth into your heart and mind. Because these Bibles are no good if they just sit in here, right? Right. So Moses, uh, excuse me, Exodus 33, verse 11 says this. um, And it it has a phrase in it. It's going to say that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. And the face to face thing is an idiom. Do you know what an idiom is? Idiom is like a saying that's not really true. It's just a saying. Like if I were to say, I'm down, like somebody calls me and says, how you doing? Oh, I'm down in the dumps. And they're like, you're in a trash can? It's like, no, I, I, I'm not feeling well. <laughs> and so it's an idiom. You're not, it's not literally because, uh, look at, just look in case you're like studying things and interested in uh, cool stuff. Verse 20 of Exodus 33 says, you cannot see my face for no one can see my face and live. And so this is obviously an idiom about how close Moses and God were. And it's in fact in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation, the New Testament is written in what language? Greek. Somebody said it. Um, there's the exact idiom uh, face-to-face is used in 1 Corinthians 13. You know that passage about love. So love is the best and love is patient kind. And, and it goes on to say that uh, I will speak. What does it say? It says, now I see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then, like when we get to heaven, our reward, we will see face-to-face. Now I am known in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And that exact phrase is used in the Greek to the Greek Septuagint, the Greek translation of the, the Old Testament, this phrase, face-to-face. And so here's what it says. I say all that to, to bring it into context. Exodus 33:11 says, The Lord would speak to Moses face-to-face as a man speaks with his friend. And then it says this, and someone showed me this passage last week. It's, his name is actually Jake. He's on the Sunday School leadership team. He's not here. He's camping. Um, but he, he'd probably be embarrassed if I was telling the story. But he came running up after Sunday school and showed me this verse. We didn't talk about this verse last week. This week we're talking about it. But he showed me this verse and was like, dude, check this out. Isn't that amazing? And have you ever gotten, have you ever read a verse and then it was like, man, God is speaking directly to me. This is just so sweet. It's brand new. I've never seen this before. Did someone just put this in? Because I've never seen it. It's just awesome. It's that good. It's fresh. And, and so Jake showed me this verse because it, it says this. It says, then Moses would return to camp, but his young, uh, young aside, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And so I think what this is showing me is that Joshua learned from Moses. And in a couple of weeks from now, we're going to talk about um, the golden calf incident. And it says that Moses went up on Mount Sinai, and it seems as though, like Moses, as he was coming back down, was talking to Joshua. So guess who was with Moses on Mount Sinai? Joshua. 
He was with Moses. He was learning from Moses. Moses. Joshua learned from Moses. And I think I would encourage us today to, to learn from Moses. Moses, the character in the Old Testament. All these great things happening to Moses. And yet he had some failures that we could learn from them. That, that we in our lives are given reasons to trust God. To not trust in our own self but to trust in God. All these cool things that, that Moses was as a little baby, you know, that the story we read about him getting his own mother to take care of him and get paid for that, even at the time when they were killing little babies. That, that Moses, the name drew out. You know, he must have had that name his whole life and said, you know, must have had to explain why he was called drew out so many times and, and give glory and the trust that he had for God. And yet he messes up at the burning bush and killing the Egyptian and the the hitting of the rock but i see i see joshua learning from moses and there's one um there's i guess there's a story i want to read for you do you guys like cheesy stories <laughs> you're like no <laughs> i like to end sunday school sometimes with cheesy stories because they're fun it's it's entitled the penny so Several years ago, a friend of mine and her husband were invited to spend the weekend at a husband's employer's home. My friend Arlene was nervous about the weekend. Her boss was very wealthy, with a fine home on the waterway and cars costing more than her house. On the first day, the, e- the evening went well, and Arlene was delighted to have this rare glimpse into how the very wealthy live. The husband's employer was quite generous as a host and took them to the finest restaurants. Arlene knew that uh, she would never have the opportunity to indulge in this kind of extravagance again, so she was enjoying herself immensely. As the three of them were about to enter an exclusive restaurant that evening, the boss, walking slightly ahead of Arlene and her husband, he stopped, and looking down on the pavement, stood still for quite some time. Arlene wondered if she was supposed to pass him. There was nothing on the ground except a single darkened penny that someone had dropped and a few cigarette butts. Still silent, the man reached down and picked up the penny. He held it, and he smiled, and then he put it in his pocket as if he had found a great treasure. How absurd. What need did this man have for a single penny? And why would he even take time to stop and pick it up? Throughout dinner, the entire scene nagged at her. Finally, she couldn't stand it any longer. She casually mentioned, my daughter had a coin collection once, uh, and then she asked if that penny that he had found had any value. A smile crept across the man's face as he reached into his pocket and held it out for her to see. She had seen many pennies before. What's the point of this? He said, look at it. Read what it says. She started to read it. United States of America? No, not that. Read further. One cent? No, keep reading. In God we trust. Yes. And then he said, and if we trust in God, the name of God is holy, even on a coin. Wherever I find a coin, I see that inscription. It is written on every single U.S. coin, but we never seem to notice it. God drops us a message right in front of me, telling me to trust him. Who am I to pass it up? When I see a coin, I pray. I stop. I see if my trust is in God at that moment. I pick up the coin as a response to God that I do trust him. For a short time, at least, I cherish it as if it were gold. I think it is God's way of starting a conversation with me. Lucky for me, God is patient and the pennies are plentiful. Let's pray. Father, we do love learning from your word, learning from the Bible. God, we thank you that we can learn from the stories of Moses, how much trust Moses had in you, and yet at times Moses seemed to have trusted in his own self. 
God, how we can learn about that is, is our own human nature is to trust in our own self for our future and, and whatever things in life come about. But God, how you want us to trust in you, how you have in many, so many of our lives given us a testimony of you and your acts and your work in our life. God, we thank you for saving us. We thank you for giving us so much in our life and taking us from darkness and into light because of your power and the power of Jesus Christ inside of us. God, we trust in you. God, we love you. And God, we trust in you with all of our heart and all of our mind. We leave here overjoyed, thinking about you, praising you for what you've done, and trusting you for the future. And it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, Amen.